Good morning, Jan. What a seamless start that was this morning. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And because we've got such a big program today. Well, it's an unusual and different program today. It's Radiothon. It's Radiothon. You can make us very happy. Aren't you glad to have 3CR in your life? Power this radical radio and donate to keep us so very happy. Call us now on 9419 8377 or donate online 3cr.org.au. A brief commercial message. <laughs> you can make us very happy. Well, we're laughing and happy. We'd like to be happy, and that's exactly what we what we want to happen. Is we want people to ring into three CR. Well, some people already have Jan. Yeah. I've got a few to read out. There's Jamie Aitken who has donated thirty dollars, and another thirty dollars from Peter Burrows. So, Jamie and Peter, thank you very much for that. That was much appreciated. Well, I've got family members to thank. I've got to thank my sister-in-laws, Andy and Jenny. <laughs> Well, there you go. It's marvellous to have such a, well, a supportive family. Now, if you haven't got family, you've got friends. And you've and, got publishers and, and, and books. And publishers. <laughs> and we're really, we're really chuffed today to have a publisher who set up his own, their own independent books, book uh, publishing company many years ago. And, and Barry Scott, I first spoke with you in 2005. It was a long time ago. Yeah, it does seem a long time ago now. That was our first book, I think. And it was yeah. Kate Kennedy's um, Sing and Don't Cry, all about yeah. Mexico. Yeah, we published that in um, 2005. And, um, so how, how, much, how earlier had Transit Lounge been set up? Uh, no, that was really when we did set up and Kate couldn't get published at the time, believe it or not. And... Oh. Uh, we really loved that book about um, her time working in a credit cooperative in Mexico, and we thought, why not? Why not do that? We'll start a press. I, we started with I started with a fellow librarian, Tess Rice, and we were just sitting around one day and thought, why not? And and so we just did it, and it it's all started from that one seed, really. But and that's sort of a keynote book for us too because at the time we were very interested in travel and people who had been working in other cultures. But here's the guy. Did you know what you were doing at the time or did you learn as you went? Uh, we definitely learnt as we <laughs> went. Um, we did have a book by Ewan Mitchell, I think, called The Guide to uh, Which You'll Know Self-Publishing, which sets out the sizes and all the different pros and cons of doing it this way and that. So that was very helpful. So you had to learn everything? Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Although I guess, you know, from the marketing side of it, I'd been, you know, I was still working in libraries doing literary events and at that time at the, I think, yeah, still at the State Library of Victoria working on Premier's Literary Awards and a range of literary programming. So I did know lots of authors and knew the scene a bit, which did help. Another early author was Roger Averill. Yeah, you know, he was. That was his New Zealand book. Yeah, not New, New Guinea book. Wasn't yeah, it? that's right. Boy, he cry, which yeah. is um, yeah, very much about his time accompanying his wife, who was anthropologist, um, to a remote Papua New Guinea island. And he's written as Kate Kennedy has many books after. Yeah, that. and uh, you... he had one exile about Werner Pulse, which won the WA Premier's Literary Awards. 
a few years ago and just had a, another novel out called Relatively Famous. That's yeah. it, Relatively yeah. Famous. Yeah. Oh, no, that was marvellous. And, and picking up on that whole notion of uh, fame and notoriety and how uh, sort of... Um, Lacking in substance that being famous was in many ways. Yeah, it's sort of growing up in the shadow of a famous father, isn't yeah, it? And how yeah. that, how you can never live up to the standard. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, you feel like a bit of a loser. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't, you can't be a loser when reading books. I've so this a- is debut novels. So this is you know first first writers. They've got come to you with their manuscripts. Yeah, we've done a lot of debut writers and that's always the tension between publishing now, especially now, debut people or more experienced people who have decided they've had enough of, you know, the more corporate publishers and want to move to an independent. So, so how, how do the independent publishers differ from the corporate publishers? I think it's probably more a philosophy, like you're less inclined to say this is our big book for the year, this is the one we're going to put all our money into. And so you're really giving authors a bit more say to even everything from how the book looks. I'm gonna- like we'd never publish a book where the author hated the cover, <laughs> which I, I don't think um, I hear stories of authors saying, well, I no just control. got my cover and they said, they hope you like it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Barry said something about money. And, of course, that's what we're here on this Radiothon program about. It's money. So we're calling on our listeners, please, please, please make a donation. In. We've got books to give away, yes, actually. So if you make a donation and request a book, we can – well, we've got – several from Transit Lounge here, um, which we can leave at the front desk for you to come in and get. But you would need to call 94198377 and leave a donation. Um, and we'll leave you a book. And we'll leave you a book uh, with your name. So, you know, $10 or something like that would be sufficient. Now, we're talking about debut uh, novelists and, and how, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting to have your name in the media. Have you got any names in the media that you'd like to call out because they've given us some money? Well, we've got some names here. Uh, Noel Bushnell gave $60. Noel Bushnell, thank Very you so much. Very generous, Noel. And uh, Rick Wignall. Rick Wignall gave 100 That's Rick. Very generous. And that's the sort of generosity that keeps not just published or not on air, but also 3CR, because that's what we rely on, all of those sorts of funds. Now, I was having a look through Transit Lounge's website and there was a question there about favourite book covers. And you yep. you said that one of them is coming up is by A.S. Patrick, one of his new uh, – Las Vegas by Vegans. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, this is a book we had uh, a little while ago, a short uh-huh. fiction. Yeah, it was the first um, book cap- we did by A.S. Patrick. Yeah, it's got a cafe on the cover, if I remember right. Uh, no, it? no, it's actually um, it's a famous. There's two famous architects from Las Vegas who wanted to really reclaim that past heritage, ah, you know, of the old motels. Yes, and, yeah. and it's actually the um, motel song. I've forgotten the architect's name, but she actually let us have that image for free. Oh wow! And she's probably in her late seventies now. But, yeah, but A.S. Patrick is a sort of discovery. In many ways, because he went on to win yeah, the Miles Franklin. Yeah, his first novel won the Miles Franklin, Damn. which was <laughs> pretty amazing. I think a few people were floored that, you know, a smaller independent press and a new writer 
might pick up that prize. Yes, because it started with short stories uh, and then that, that first novel. Yeah. Um, so... Um, Black, Black Atlantic City. Black, yeah. Well, Atlantic Black was his second yeah, one. Yeah, Black Rock, White City. City was yeah. the one that won the, the Miles Franklin. That's but, right. But Atlantic uh, Black was sort of this journey across the Atlantic Ocean in yeah, a, a liner. Yeah, before but it was the all, outbreak of World War Two. Yeah. yeah. But it was all, almost a, a metaphor for a journey through life in some ways, the way I was reading it. Uh, yeah, it is. It's very... Um, I guess it's hinting at things that are happening in the world now, yeah. that anything, you know, we could be on the edge of an abyss. Yeah. But there's, there was a period in, in Transit Lounge's life where it went from that, that travel to then mm. looking more at literature. Now, what brought that about, that sort of diversification? I think the yeah the best books in the manuscripts we were receiving were actually fiction, so... Non-fiction tends to be commissioned more and often we have gone out and said to someone, oh, I like something you had in Overland. Do you have anything else? Do you have a whole book? Or um, sometimes we certainly do get approached with non-fiction, but I find there's more really fantastic fiction writers in Australia. Um, Yeah, so they're quite different fields in a way. But then, sorry, Jan, you were wanting yes, to... Yes, look, I was going to talk about a cover of a book, <laughs> which is a non-fiction book, and David and I haven't read it. But it is available to anybody who rings in. What's this book about? Yeah, it's called yeah. Magic. Magic by Jan Golombiski, and the cover just won the Australian Design Awards in the non-fiction memoir category. <laughs> so make a donation <laughs> for the cover alone. Yeah, the Here cover is fantastic and it's well, quite des- indic- indicative of the book. Describe the cover for us. Uh, the cover is a lion with a, with a young man standing within the mouth of that lion. But there are octopus tendrils, if, I can, if I'm seeing yeah. things upside down. Yeah, it's got that aspect too as well. <laughs> so it's certainly I mean, strange, gonna... but it well, is about the about author's... Thing. Uh, search for meaning and something bigger in life. And as a young man, he goes off travelling and he doesn't really have much money at all. It's a true story. So he lives on the generosity of people or people taking him in. But his whole um, desire is to actually go to Africa. Right. He meets a Rastafarian in South America who tells him about Mother Africa and so he really wants to go there. And he actually, in the Sahara, he goes a bit crazy in a way. He he gives up everything and just walks off into the desert with just his knapsack and even just a little bit of water. My goodness. And um, he even finds some water, a bottle of water, when he's almost... Parched, yeah. Yeah, going to perish. And he only drinks half of that because he thinks someone may have left it there and he, it's not fair to take all the water. <laughs> but he actually ends up in a prison in Africa. But he, his, his attitude to life is um, that if you believe in something, you know, you can, it will happen, it will. Uh, and he actually becomes a bit like a guru to the pris- other prisoners there's someone in who's been in there for years and has given up ever getting out and he tells them to put up a case and then, then that person is released from prison. 
But all this time, his his um, mother is wondering where he is oh, and what, where what's happened to him. She thinks he must have died, and she time. eventually finds out, of course, that he's alive and manages to get him out through the Australian, Australian consulate. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to stop it right there and talk about other very, very good mothers in my life and also good friends and donators to the program. I'd like to thank Maria Ryan very much for her donation to the program and also Cathy Simpson. Thank you so much, Cathy and Maria, for your donations to the program. It's marvellous when people donate <laughs> like that. It's, it's just wonderful. Wonderful. Well, now we're talking to Barry about a book, you know, a non-fiction book, but really is it hectic? How hectic is it to be a publisher? I think it's very hectic, when you're, especially when you're small. Um, like we employ um, quite a few freelance people. So we have a publicist for our books now and we also contract the editing out in most instances, but it's still a matter of keeping up with your schedules because the industry works so far ahead and most writers don't realise that, you know, that you need to have a book like six months ahead of release, really. Like we are now um, just sending all our Christmas books off for print and people are asking for pictures about what are your key titles for Christmas. Oh, right. Mm, So they have to have been edited, you know, typeset, um, covers worked out. By the end of May. Talking about working out, I hope our phone is being worked out. I hope people are ringing 94198377. Why, David? Well, we need donations to basically stay alive ourselves. I mean, a bit like the faith that the character had in magic. It will happen. We will survive. Uh, But it helps if the listeners can keep us going, if you're interested in books. And Jan, we're probably one of the last surviving book shows oh. in the media. Well, we've been on the air now for 20 years, published or not. So, yes. So it, it is a long time, and you've been with, with me for five. Five. So it's a lot. You know, and this is what I always think about this program. There was Steve Jobs saying, oh, we'll get the e-book out, you know, it'll be the death of books. And you and I have an author each sitting in here talking books every Thursday. Which is extraordinary. And there... We come across some very interesting people. It's absolutely fascinating. I mean, another book here um, was Antidote to a Curse by James Christina. Mm. Fascinating account. Um, It's a bit hard to keep everything in perspective, which is one thing I need to ask you, (laughs) how you keep all your list in perspective. Because each week I sort of put the book on the back burner that I've just read to move on to the book for the next one. Yeah, I think it must be hard for you guys because you probably the best read people I know of Australian <laughs> fiction and literature in Australia. But Antidote to a Curse uh, was looking at um, the character's struggle with AIDS and such like. So it was taking on a very yeah. challenging topic and a, and a unique perspective, if I remember correctly. What can yeah, you tell us? Yeah, it's... Um, to, to me, this book reminded me a lot of Polanski's movie, The Tenant, and the author Ned that never had said that to me, but when I mentioned it to him, he said, yes, I really loved that movie, and it's about an obsessive relationship with another person, and he That's he right. almost adopts and takes on that other person's story but as his own writing, writing yeah. project 
Yeah, and which he sees as an antidote to the fact that he might have contracted HIV. A, but also then there's that period of waiting for the test results for the yeah. HIV yeah, to throughout, come through. Throughout the book, he has to go to different checkups, and there's always that anxiety. And that so the, the narrative takes place in that time span, in many ways, of the waiting. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah and he and another interesting, attractive thing about that book to me was he lives with uh, you know an eighty year old woman in a house in many ponds which is very very strange where she's fielding a giant aviary yeah yeah that's right uh, yeah oh. nancy yeah now now that you it's certainly an unusual book it had good reviews yeah mm. yeah mm. so that's another book that's available if you want to ring in we can leave that at the front desk so just ring nine four one nine eight three seven seven and that's a book of interest to you, James Christina's Antidote to a Curse, we can leave that at the front desk for you. Jan, what else have we got? Well, I'm going to go back in the past because, you know, you sort of said we read a lot. We do read a lot on this program and it's it's why we get mm. publishers interested in us because we actually do read the book. <laughs> and the authors like quite often. We're the first person who um, has, you know, who's not a friend or a family member who has just read the book and wants to offer comment on it so you know and we do give our authors we make them easy feel easy because we have done that but you know we do read but i still think there's there's bits in books that i still remember now i don't know how long ago it was when peter barry wrote i hate menra and all uh you know it was and Oh, look, yeah. I, I might got the right type. The, I hate uh, Martin Amos at all. Ma- yeah. Yes, that's it. Yeah, about a frustrated writer who becomes a, a sniper, sniper in Sarajevo. I oh, know, and it's twenty years old since that Sarajevo problem too. And but the the, the thought of that that uh, that horror of cigarette burns on those women has in my mind. Oh, it's definitely ever. it's a book that won the um, Victorian Premier's Unpublished Manuscript Prize, and now oh. everything that wins that prize is a bidding war for it since the Rosie Project. But um, it, he couldn't get it published, I think, because oh, it's oh, such so a hard topic, yeah. and also because it isn't. Um, he, as a sniper, he thinks all the people that he's um, seeing in the war are Martin Amos, imagines they are, and oh, wants to shoot them. Shoot them, yeah. Because he's so jealous of Martin Amos' success, he had all this money to spend on his new teeth. Uh, it is a book that sticks in my oh. mind too, and we did publish a second that, novel yeah. by that author as well. But it must have been two thousand and when did you say about seven two thousand? I'm not sure oh, now, but, but was, yeah, two thousand seven. But it, there are like, weird things. But it like certainly that. was. Um, it was published in the US by a small press, oh. yeah, in San Francisco. Right. So it has been published overseas. We've just had a donation from Anne Beaconsfield. Do you know mm, Anne? I, I don't think it's quite that Beaconsfield. I think it might be Sharon Beaconsfield. Sharon, did I? Did <laughs> I, I, I might have taken, taken it down a little bit incorrectly. And all I can say to Sharon Beaconsfield is thank you so much for your very generous donation. Ah, Most impressed. Thank you very much, yeah, Sharon. Well, every little bit helps. Oh, absolutely. It's great that we've got... Such avid listeners. Oh, absolutely. And readers. And readers. Well, talk, tell us about another book that tell you and now, you, that you're This read. was interesting. Things Nobody Knows But Me by Amra Pajalic. Now, I'm not saying that Palich, wasn't it? I'm just trying to 
Bajalik, uh, I think it's fine, yeah. I'm just trying to recall. I did ask her when she came in how to pronounce her surname. Um, but it's she was living between two cultures in many ways. Yeah, between Bosnia and St Albans in Melbourne and her mother uh, has bipolar, mm. so... But as a child, a, yeah, it's basically... A she's kid. not aware of that as a child except for her mother's strange behaviour. And having to cope with that. But then um, she was relocated or her mother moved back to Bosnia and there was this incredible transition between cultures between behaviors mm. attitudes and how well how does a child survive such a thing which is extraordinary yeah because i really like love the security of being with her grandparents um in bosnia like the regularity of having breakfast made for her etc but um you know um she also missed you know, that loving relationship with her mother because her mother comes back to Melbourne for a while and Amaris left with the grandparents. Yeah. yeah. But it also it goes into the notion of how women survive in many cases. Yeah, in some ways Amra becomes her mother's carer. Yeah, yeah even at a young age because yeah. they're often having to stay with relatives or yeah. friends in the Bosnian community, community when her mother has to go into hospital. That's yeah, an extraordinary tale. And there are so many tales like that out there of how people... And it was amazing because we recently had the launch for that book and Amra's mother was there and she, she was in it? tears with oh, the, wow. the launch. Yeah. And like when Amra gave her the book, she yeah. cried and said, oh, Amra, I realise you lo- really loved me. Oh, so wow. it's a gorgeous tale about a oh. bond between mother and daughter oh, yeah. that's really positive. That's marvellous. Jan, uh, Eric and Nigel have just claimed antidote to a curse. Oh. So, Eric and Nigel, thank you. Um, And we will leave that at the front desk of uh, 3CR. That's at uh, 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. You can come in and pick that book up and it'll be there at the end of the show. But thank you very much for taking an interest. We should actually explain who we've got on the program today. Ah. Just read our listeners. Okay, Barry, give us a give us a bio. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I'm a publisher, co-publisher at Transit Lounge, which I won't run with Tess Rice, who is also a fellow librarian, and we've been operating since um, 2005. Before that, I worked pretty much in the library sector. I'm actually a librarian, and um, I was always involved in running literary events. So it's it's thrilling that you know years ago I ran events with. Um, Gerald Manane and Carmel Bird, who used to work together, and later this year we're publishing a novel. I think it's Carmel's 13th novel, Field of Poppies. And also I remember that time years ago at Caulfield Library having an event with Philip Salem, and we're actually publishing his novel, The Returns, soon. So that's exciting too. How many books... Each year do, does Transit Lounge publish? Uh, it's about 12, but it's supposed to be about 12, but it always bl- yeah, goes out to about 14, I find. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's very hard to say no. <laughs> so have you got a slush pile? Ah, uh, yes. Even though we have one on our site at the moment, yeah, don't send us anything. People <laughs> ring up and, well, I shouldn't advertise this, but you, we usually look at things if people, you know, it sounds of interest or people are keen for us to look at it. So definitely, yeah, it's really hard you- saying no to so many good writers. We have a wealth of talent, but we've got to know that we can market it and sell it. But how do you select? Because what I've noticed 
when uh, interviewing your authors and such like, is it's the eclectic range. There's often something different about transit lounge books that often... Yeah, I think we have a bit of a reputation for publishing what Jane Rawson, one of our authors, calls weird fiction. (laughs) (laughs) It's good fiction. And And, um, and the term actually came from H.P. Lovecraft, who wrote a great um, essay on weird fiction, Um, and we're publishing a book um, next year on Marie Toussaint, the waxworker, and um, it certainly comes out of... It's historical fiction, but it, it's still got that slightly weird element in terms of what happens in the story. But they're often independent voices in many ways, yeah. which make for interesting reading, I find. And that's why we are asking people to ring in. You can have your independent voice also. Yes, so 94198377. Um, there's Wedding Puzzle to give away, Sally Muirden, who I interviewed not so long ago. Now, it takes that conventional notion of what do you do um, if you're about to get married and hear something about the groom, but then it takes it a step further because it's looking at the sort of social expectations, how you cope with um, the past. You grew up as a child with somebody, but then you're entering a more mature relationship. Does the relationship change how much precedence or acknowledgement do you give to the way you led lives at school? What is the expectation for the future? So it takes us off in a slightly different direction. Yeah, we made a decision like maybe a couple of years ago to publish more female writers and and we thought, well, that means we have to publish books about subject matter like weddings. Weddings. So I don't think there's many... There may be male writers who've written about weddings. There, there are some. I mean, there's there was a play. Muriel's wedding. Well, Muriel's wedding. But yep. um, there, there was a play about a wedding um, and such like, if I remember correctly, uh, and things like that. But, it, yeah, it, um, it's unique. Yeah, I think I really like this book because it's very evocative of Melbourne and the Bayside suburbs. And the uh, the Port Sea Hotel wedding. Yeah, so it's... And I like the anxiety of it that it's all um, set up. It's the day of the wedding and... The day yeah, of the Beth, wedding, the sea uh, The protagonist the is deciding, I don't think I can go ahead with <laughs> this. I don't know this man <laughs> I'm going to marry. But the seagull... Uh, takes off with the veil. The best man goes off surfing before the wedding. You know, there's, there's things you can fit in before a wedding. And in a way, there, you know, it does have a farcical aspect too. In that, oh, well, I can't give away the ending. But, of course not. No. But you know, it reminded me a little, which is quite different. The play Dimbulla oh, by yes. Jack Hibbert, yeah. which is a famous piece of wedding literature. Yes, but it this is. is very much about have we chosen the right partner? So there's a suspense. But it, in it, that. it puts it in the perspective of the sort of social expectation, but mm. they've grown up as children together. But yeah. that has to change because you're entering into adulthood. Yeah. That's one of the crises people are having today uh, because we're, they're staying younger, longer, and staying at home longer. <laughs> one of our crises is we haven't got anybody on the phone. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we, we're at 94198377. We've only got... 
a minute to go. So call in now if you're going to call in, please. But they can also call in later. later. Yes, yeah. please ring in. It's a great book show you need to support. <laughs> oh. There's so few of them. And this is an expert speaking. It's not just us talking. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank you, Barry Scott. The authors <laughs> just really enjoy it. And they, not, they, as you said, the books have been read. Yeah, where some some programs, I'm not naming anyone in particular. <laughs> the you know the commentaries yeah. now. Oh, sorry, I didn't have time to read, read your book. book. But you can have an interesting conversation. Oh, we with we an have author. to organise some questions. <laughs> oh, yes. I, 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 my favourite author who's come in and apologised. Look, I'm just so sorry. I wrote such a. A big book. Did you really read it? Mm. Was Marcus Zusak, and uh, I think oh, uh, you know he's lovely. he, he is yeah. a lovely guy. Yeah, and apologising about the Jeff, size of his book. I must and he's mention, a great Alan yeah. and Unwin sent us books to give away. Scribe sent us books. Transit Lounge, of course. Pantera Press sent us books. So thank you to the publishers as well. We should have mentioned that earlier, uh, who've all made this possible. So there are books. Right, about. and thank you very much, Barry Scott oh, from Transit you. Lounge, for coming in. So that's it. We'll go out with. A radiothon. You made me so very happy. I'm so glad you came into my life. Power this radical radio and donate to keep us so very happy. Call us now on 9419-8377 or donate online 3cr.org.au. 